1: Jordan Williams, you're the phenom of the 2020 CFL process, Jordan. What's it like for you to go to a combine, light it up like you did at the Ontario Regional, and just put yourself on the map in a big way?
2: Uh, It's surreal uh, to be able to get an opportunity to showcase uh, talents that I've been working for, not just for like six weeks, that's how long I've been training for, but for my whole life, you know, uh, to get an opportunity to play at the next level in the CFL and showcase my talent in Toronto knowing the pandemic of the COVID-19 situation and all the other cancers shut down because of that. It's surreal, man. I, it's surreal. I can't even explain it.
1: <laughs> so for you, let's go you know, way back to the start because you came on CFL radars really quickly with what you did at that Ontario Regional, running in the four fours in the 40, jumping almost 40 inches in the vertical, almost 11-foot broad jump, and people are wondering, who is Jordan Williams? Where did he come from? So take us all the way back, man. Where did you grow up? How did you get into football and arrive at the point that you are now?
2: Oh, man. I grew up all over the place. So, you know, like I said before, I, I can't just say I grew up in Fayetteville, North Carolina. That's why I spent most of my high school career. Uh, three years in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Sophomore, junior, senior. And my freshman year, i actually from Dover Pennsylvania, York, PA. And to say all in all, I moved all over the place. My parents are from a military background. I lived in Hawaii twice. I uh, lived in Baltimore, which I was born in. Lived in uh, South Carolina, North Carolina, New Jersey, Miami, Florida. I'm just from all over the place. So I'm just culturally diverse. And I feel like that is what helps me, you know, cope and speak to people and get along with other people. and It helps me grind and get to the to where I'm at right now.
1: Have you lived in all 50 states? <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I've probably been to
2: all 50 states, but I, I ain't probably, I've been to Utah. You know what football you travel to. So I've probably, I've probably been to all 50 states, but I have not lived in all 50 states. It may sound like it, but no.
1: <laughs> what was it like for you as a kid growing up, always moving, but also to come up in a household, like you said, that has that Army background to it?
2: It's a beautiful thing, but there's some positives and negatives. The positive is that you get to be culture diverse, like, like the places of Toronto where I did the combine, and I can see everything that's going on. I see a whole bunch of different cultures and ethnicities. But the negative thing of the situation is you don't really get to stay and call one place your home, so you don't really get a bond, per se, for like 15 years, 20 years with somebody. Like, you see him for two years, move to the next. You see him for three years, move to the next. So you're always on the go. Uh, that's the negative. But I, it's more positive than negative. So it's a beautiful thing.
1: When did you first start playing football?
2: I first started playing football in uh, second grade. And that was in South Carolina.
1: And what made you want to play? Why did you get into it? All
2: right, so there was a game. I can't say... I can't say the name of the game because it's, like, <laughs> it's not, you know, I can't, it's not appropriate to say, but it's basically where you throw the ball in the air and you ta- whoever catches you, you tackle them. So you just, the, well, that game we did, that's my first time seeing it, and, and you just throw the ball in the, in the air, and whoever catches you got to tackle them and that was a phenomenal game. And that, from then on, I was like, yo, what is this? I got to look into this. And that's what I learned about football with that game right there.
1: Oh, so that was your initial foray into it, and then it made you wanted to play sort of the more organized brand. Yes,
2: most definitely.
1: And then, where did that path take you in terms of actually playing your high school ball, and then on to collegiately?
2: Uh, that path uh, it started at Dover High School. It's a I like to brag about this situation. So I was on the ninth grade football team. I played running back actually, and. On the ninth grade football team, I actually broke John Coon, the uh, the running, the fullbacks from the Packers record. He went to Dover High School also, so I broke his touchdown record. I always brag about that. Wow! (laughs) uh, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But that's ninth grade football. Like nobody cares about ninth grade football. But uh, moving on, I came to uh, Jack Britt and I played running back and linebacker. And when they moved me from running back, completed a linebacker. It's probably one of the saddest days of my life. But I, they told me I could get opportunities with scholarships, and like big schools are coming to see me play linebacker. And it, it felt good and felt surreal to be in that situation. And then from then on, well, it's a long story from high school to East Carolina, but yeah.
1: Hey, we got time, man. Let us have it.
2: Okay, so from high school, uh, I piled up a whole bunch of colleges, out, Auburn. South Carolina, I think, was the biggest at the time. And they were all coming into the high school. And at the time, I didn't really look at grades being that number one priority. number one priority was always football. So my grades were actually lacking. And uh, my brother, my twin brother, actually have a twin brother, also plays football. Same on the defensive side of the field. You could go cut on the high school tape. We're both playing alongside each other. And uh, he's actually like 4.0 straight A student. Me, on the other hand, grades, but not so. they were average at best. And it also led to me being a non-qualifier. So East Carolina wanted to offer me, uh, coach Dahl was the recruiting coordinator and uh, a whole bunch of other teams. Like uh, I stated for Auburn, South Carolina, but when they came to saw the grades, it's like, we can't offer this guy. We can't do nothing with him. So I actually had to go to, uh, I was looking at prep schools and I was like, you know what? I want a college education while also still being able to play at the next level at D one football. So I went to Shaw university to get my grades up i wasn't even a qualifier for a shaw university which is a d2 school which has a lesser standards for uh, grades but I, I wasn't a qualifier i got my grades up i i believe my first year i was like a 3.7 gpa and then i transferred straight over to east carolina and that's where it all started
1: that's an impressive jump on your gpa
2: yeah almost <laughs> down i ain't gonna tell you what my mom was from high school <laughs> but uh in college man I, I just got into books and i learned. All you gotta do is really do everything the teacher tells you to do. No, Mr. assignments. And that's pretty much easy.
1: <laughs> Did your brother go on to play collegiately too?
2: My brother went on to uh play at North Carolina A and T, so yes. And he went and won a bowl game. He got the big bowl ring and things of that nature. We compare bowl rings and stuff. So
1: is he older or younger?
2: Twin brother. Twin brother.
1: Ah. Is he still I'm, playing I'm, anywhere right now?
2: I'm two minutes older. Uh he's actually He's Done playing football. He got his master's degree in business and administration. He's now working for GM and in, in Detroit.
1: Uh, I was going to say, wait a second. If you're just two minutes older, and you're now a Canadian, did he ever think to get his citizenship up here too?
2: He was joking about that. Like, hey, let me play too. I want to quit my GM job, but he's paying. He getting paid big money, and uh, no, he does not want to play football. He's done with it. But he actually did get his Canadian passport though.
1: Ah, I see. Well, we'll get to that story for you in a minute. I just want to keep going through your NCAA career. So as you said, you get your grades up, you end up at East Carolina. Were there any other schools that you almost went to? And then when you were at East Carolina, how did you feel about being part of that football program?
2: Uh, Coming out of Shaw University, there was actually two schools. It was East Carolina and there was North Carolina A&T. And they really, really wanted it. It was harping on me to come. But ultimately, I went to the East Carolina spring game, and it just felt like a family-oriented thing. And I, Coach Ruffin McNeil was there at the time. And I just, from then on there, I was like, yo, I got to go to this school. And um, what was the second question?
1: Just how did you feel about your time in the program there?
2: My time at East Carolina was very, very uh, beautiful. Uh, one of the happiest times of my life in college, you know, especially being – a walk-on to getting on scholarship, which we could get into later. But the camaraderie, the team camaraderie, and then just playing football. You, like, your job is just to go to school and play football. That's it. And it may sound difficult when you look into the details, but when you when you look back at it, you just, just go to school and play football. And that's an awesome thing to do.
1: So, you started there as a walk-on?
2: Yeah. So, uh, officially, that was like, you know what? We might not know how his grades are. We might know – I'm out of football for a year. You know, there's some parallels between – CFL, me and this draft and, you know, from going from Charlotte to East Carolina. So I'm out of football for a year. And they're like, yo, we don't know. But after my first year, I showed that I could play on special teams. They gave me a scholarship uh, right after my first year.
1: What was that feeling like when you found out you were going to get a full scholarship?
2: It was surreal, man. I, you would sit there and think, like, oh, I should have been, got this, all right, this and that. But when you get, it's ridiculous, man. I'm celebrating with my teammates on the internet, going like viral for, like, a week or two, and uh, the coaches like, like, they try to trick you too. They're like, you know, we had a bad practice, you did this, you <laughs> did that, and he's like, guess what? What try to win some scholar and he just ah, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's a phenomenal thing. They how they did there at East Carolina. Man.
1: Did they do it in a way now where we see those sort of viral videos, but it was done back then with you?
2: Yes, but uh, I don't know if they still have it, but I, me and another player. Uh, got a scholarship at the same time. And he's been there for, like, he got it his senior year. So it's probably still on the internet.
1: What was that decision like for you not to go to North Carolina A&T? Because to me, that would have timed up with potentially playing with your brother.
2: Yeah, uh, not going to North Carolina A&T was just simple fact of logistics of the situation. It was D-1-double-A. D- which I found out later, versus D1 football. And I was like, whoa, East Carolina's playing Florida Gators. They're playing West Virginia. They're playing these top teams. And North Carolina, it's just a logistic of the situation. Not to demean the D1 a, but just get better exposure.
1: All right, so biggest stadium or crowd that you played in front of?
2: Either the – it's a tie between – well, one is the biggest and the loudest is two different things. I say the biggest is South Carolina. I think they hold like 80,000. But the loudest have got to be Florida Gators. No question.
1: Gainesville, the big chomp going on?
2: Oh, no question. They say some foul language when you do a penalty and all those things. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: they made the whole crowd champions. <laughs> what are some of the top players that you played against during your time at East Carolina that are either now in the NFL or the CFL?
2: Uh, Jadavion Clowney got to be number one. Dante Fowler, probably number two. Um, Now that I look back at it, it's, it's a lot of players, man. It's You got to think. It's SEC, ACC, all that. So, I'll just – those two and then probably third It's an underrated guy. Probably Mike Boone from Cincinnati.
0: Ooh. Yeah.
1: Toughest guy to tackle.
2: Toughest guy to tackle will have to be Darius Victor from Townsend. <laughs>
1: Oh, going small school with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. That dude is like 230, and he's 5'5", with big bowling ball leg. That dude, <laughs> and that's my freshman year, too. well, my sophomore year. First year starter, and that's, that was the hardest guy to tackle.
1: The people around the CFL saw the athletic numbers that you put up at the Ontario Regional, Jordan. Did you always have that athleticism, or was that something that you developed through high school or maybe even your time at East Carolina?
2: I always had uh, athletic. See, it's just genetics, man. I can't. I can't chalk it up to. Oh, I tra- I do train hard. I believe I'm one of the hardest workers that uh, I've I've known. But not only did I work hard. I'm not. Oh, I'm not the fastest. I'm not the strongest. I'm certainly not the tallest. But I work hard, and I think through hard work and preparing with the great genetics, it allowed me to be uh, a great athlete. So uh, during the years at East Carolina, actually, I don't know if you guys looked it up. There was like two or three years I was like on the NFL top, you know, freak athlete list. So it's always been there. It's just I had a chance to showcase it in front of scouts and pro scouts.
1: Hey, man, keep dropping this knowledge on it. We'll go research it for sure.
2: Oh, yeah. It's like NFL 17 for 17. And the year before, it's like the Bruce Feldman top 50 freak athletes. It's like the likes of Miles Garrett and Saquon Barkley.
1: Wow, what's the fastest 40 that you've ever run?
2: 447.
1: So that's moving at your size.
2: Yeah, yeah, 447.
1: And most you've done on the bench ever?
2: 25. Oh, wow, it, unreal. I'm not a real bencher, my arms are pretty long, so <laughs> <laughs> true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, you obviously had a really productive career. At East Carolina. Are there any memorable games or performances that you remember?
2: Memorable games. I had to say, when we came back from Virginia Tech my sophomore year, I think we had to be down like 21 to 3. And uh, we were coming back, uh had an interception against the quarterback, and then we, that's when the tide turned, the crowd got pumped up, and we just came back and it was raining and we just beat them. That was memorable very memorable. And a memorable moment particularly, that was a memorable game. The memorable moment has had to be my uh, sophomore year. My first game wasn't, it was subpar to say the least, but my second game was against the Florida Gators in Gainesville, and I think the third play of the game, or the second play of the game, I sacked the, the quarterback, and the crowd got so hyped, and, and it's an away game.
1: <laughs> so,
2: Whoa. yeah. It's, it, Man, that was a surreal, man. You're like, wow, this is my first time being in this big crowd. I'm, my first time starting, and I'm getting sacks against the top uh, colleges in the nation, and that was the best defining moment, probably. Who
1: was the quarterback you sacked that day?
2: Uh, Will Greyer. He plays for the Carolina Panthers now.
1: Pretty good one to get down.
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Most definitely.
1: <laughs> and then what about your process of getting NFL interest? Did you go to the East Carolina Pro Day, and then how did that all play out from there?
2: Yes, I did actually go to the East Carolina Pro Day, and uh, I did pretty good, put up around the same number, but the jumping numbers was a little bit different because, no excuses, but two weeks prior, I actually pulled my calf muscle, and I couldn't even walk for a week. And then the next week, it was time to go. I was like, yo, it's time to go. So uh, I did the most that I can. I ran like, the lowest I got clock, I believe, was like a four four nine. But then but uh it ranged from all over the place. Then I got an opportunity with the San Francisco 49ers. But before that, let's backtrack a little bit. Um I got calls. I could I got it on my phone right now from like the Indianapolis coach saying, Hey, we're gonna draft you uh tomorrow, day three. Be ready. And I'm waiting. I'm like, oh, let's go. I'm telling my family and things of that nature. And then day three of the draft comes. They got two picks in the seventh round. They picked two guys, I believe, in my conference. And they didn't
1: pick me. <laughs> I was like, no, what? Yes. And they didn't even send me a rookie minicamp
2: invite. But I do have that video on my phone. My brother recorded. And that was, man, that was one of the most saddest days of my life. Probably next to the day I moved from running back to linebacker.
1: <laughs> what do you think happened there? Why did they change your mind?
2: You know, it's a numbers game, so maybe somebody didn't get drafted as high as they thought they were going to be, and they just chose them instead. It's a numbers game in the NFL, and, and the CFL also. It's a numbers game. So was, yeah.
1: So you accept the rookie minicamp invite from the San Francisco 49ers, and what year was that, and then what was it like to go through that experience?
2: So, I do accept the minicamp invite from the San Francisco 49ers in 2018. Um, and that year was, it was, it was phenomenal because they should have, one thing I always say, they should have never let me get a taste of the uh, professional football. Because mm-hmm. when you, once you, once you're in there and you like, whoa, this is professional style. And like the coaches are laid back and it is real, like professional, you know, and you get the, and then they had like the little kids. They didn't know you was there for many camp. They thought you was Patrick Willis or something. And they are like so happy to see you with the Jersey on. It's like surreal, man. And that was phenomenal. And then, I believe at that 49ers camp, I believe I had put on the best performance of my life, better than anything I've ever did. And then uh, we had some great feedback from the GM and things of that nature with my uh, former agent. And we was keeping in contact, but it never ended up panning out after the mini camp. So that's that for that situation.
1: Did you have any other NFL workouts, or did it ever get close to you signing with an NFL team after that?
2: Yes, I had an NFL workout with the uh, Chargers. And we just had rumblings with, like, the Bears and things of that nature about signing.
1: So then ever since then, what have you done from a a football standpoint? Like, did you go play anywhere else, or were you just working out and staying ready for when that call potentially came from an NFL team?
2: Yes. For that, uh, I was just waiting for a call from an NFL team, but it ended up panning out because I was, at the moment... The American Alliance Football League came calling I know you guys remember that mm-hmm. but I was still waiting out for uh, San Fran because it was very promising the situation in San Fran um, but it never ended up panning out so that was that for 18 basically and going into 19 I got a CFL opportunity
1: and take us through that
2: uh, during 2019 I went to CFL camp for the CFL Red Blacks and I did a phenomenal job there um, then they were about to offer me a contract for to play as an international. <laughs> they didn't know I, I had my mother was born in Canada, so I'm up there. And they're like, "Look, you can either play in this game and forfeit your nationality, or you can sit out a year and go into the CFL draft." And they say they they said, oh, "I'll give you some advice. One is better than the other." And I ha- I went back home and I just trained. Uh, when I got a job and things of that nature.
1: Was that the first time that you sort of realized that you could become a Canadian citizen because of where your mom was born and how beneficial it could be for you in terms of a CFL career?
2: Yes, that's definitely the first time I've ever heard it. I was like, what? This sounds alien like. I was like, what am I? Am I in a matrix or something? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah.
1: And how did your mom end up being born up here? What's her backstory?
2: She's originally, well, she was born in Canada. She moved to Trinidad and Tobago very at a very, very young age. And then that's where most of my family's from. And then she came back to play college collegiate basketball in Canada also. So she has a lot of ties to Toronto.
1: Ah, so was she born in Toronto and then grew, came back and played basketball here?
2: Yes, yes.
1: Do you remember what school in Toronto?
2: I couldn't tell you what school. Uh, I I should have asked her, but I I can't remember. But she did play collegiate basketball.
1: So in a way, you coming to the Ontario Regional in Toronto was full circle in a sense that your mom was born here, played basketball here, and that's where you really put yourself on the CFL map.
2: Yes. That's a great parallel right there. I didn't even notice
1: that. (laughs) how appreciative are you of the Ottawa red blacks for laying that out for you? Because I mean, it could have been easy for them to just say, Hey, we got this guy. We really like and We can sign him as an international and potentially not even tell him that he could be a Canadian, but they laid out both pros and cons for you. And now you're at the point where, you know, from a financial standpoint, it's going to be very beneficial. And there's talk of you going in the first round and potentially even first overall.
2: It's, a beautiful thing, Uh, the GM over there Ottawa. I can't pronounce his name because it's like French influence. Is it Desjardins?
1: Marcel Desjardins. We got you. Dang,
2: I said it wrong. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) He uh, laid out the the blueprint and he did a phenomenal job of explaining to me the situation that I had in front of me because I had had no idea. They was like, hey, you know you can play. I was like, man, get that out of my face. Where are the at? I was ready to play. (laughs) I was like, I don't care about any of that. I'm ready to play. But... um. When they laid it out to me, and they kept – because if they told me the first time and I said no like I did and just went on and played and then probably got cut, I would have been sad. But with this situation, I have more opportunities uh, to play in the Canadian Football League. So they did a phenomenal job of informing me on both sides of the pros and cons.
1: So what was it like for you the last – Year essentially being patient, knowing that you would be eligible for the 2020 CFL draft. How did you keep yourself busy and was it sort of difficult to be away from football for that long?
2: Yes, it was very difficult. Um, and there was even some tempting situations where like a team will call me and be like, Hey, are you sure you, you want to be a Canadian? Citizen? You know, you could come play right now to be on the private squad, and it, it's very tempting. I was like, Ah, it's tempting, but. At the moment, I'm like, I know what's best for the future. And I learned a long time ago from a wise old man that patience is a virtue. So I just didn't want to jump the gun. And I just went, got a job, um, stayed in pretty decent shape on the way out. And then had right before the CFL combine, I signed it up a six-week camp to per- perform at the best of my ability.
1: How long did it take you to get your Canadian citizenship?
2: It took me about three months.
1: Ah, so not too, not too bad, not too much of a wait.
2: Yeah, because we had it expedited actually, so it probably would have took longer.
1: Was there any chance that you could have been eligible for the CFL supplemental draft last year? Or did you miss the timeline?
2: It was, it was a chance, but it was like a twenty day window, so there was no way that they could have expedited that uh, CFL passport or CFL uh, nationality. I mean, not CFL, but Canadian nationality. By the time that supplemental draft was there.
1: Gotcha. And then what did you do for work? You said you went out and got a job and then obviously were training on the side. So what had you working?
2: Uh, I was the manager at Amazon. So I was just telling people what to do, go this, do that, and just
1: managing things. Cool. Yeah. You know. Setting up the resume for uh, way down the line post-football.
2: Oh, yeah, most definitely. You know, getting some people skills and things of that nature and showing how to lead. In situations other
1: than football and what's it been like for you since the combine performance because obviously now there's no secret about you in the cfl draft have you been doing phone interviews or maybe online video interviews with teams around the cfl since that regional happened because it didn't give you a chance you would have been through to the national combine for sure where the interviews take place so what's the process been like for you since that regional.
2: It's been uh, pretty much like the draft process coming out of college where you're doing interviews and a little different thing. So there's video conferences. That's the same. I mean, there's calls, but it's a little different thing where teens send you questionnaires and I don't know what it is with the uh, CFO and questionnaires, but these things are like three hours long to complete. So, So that's like nine different teams, right, in the CFL, and then you got to complete a three-hour-long questionnaire. That's a long time. So it's basically doing homework at home and trying to fill these things out.
1: You're back in school, just CFL style. Yes, definitely. (laughs) What types of questions are on the questionnaires?
2: See, they ask that uh, these questions don't get released. Uh, I I couldn't share it, yeah.
1: (laughs) Sometimes at the Combine, guys get asked questions like, If you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be? Or I believe, actually, Ottawa the last couple of years has brought three different donuts into the room. And either at the end of the interview or the start, they ask the prospect that's in the room, you know, which donut would you be if you could pick one and why? Have you had any conversations with teams, you know, potentially that you can share and maybe some questions that caught you off balance? Uh,
2: Questions that caught me off balance? I don't know. Like, uh... Not nothing too crazy. I can't think of it right now. Probably, what would you like to do? Extra curricular, like activities and stuff. And I said hunting. I like to get into hunting. You know, whether it be elk or deer. But uh, that's what that was probably one of the most outlandish questions.
1: All right. So, do you have sort of a preferred destination in terms of you know east or west or? certain city or team like would you want to go back to Ottawa because you're familiar with them or are you open to going to wherever you end up
2: going to Ottawa would be nice but uh I have no preference because the situation I'm in right now I just need to get on the field and play football you know do what I've been doing for like the past what 15 years of my life and just get on the field so it don't matter where is that the grass is always going to be you know so big and the field is going to be so long it's just going to Get on the field. You just got to make tackles, whether it be in Saskatchewan, whether it be BC Lions, whether it be uh, Ottawa, Montreal. You just got to do your job, and I'm waiting for that opportunity.
1: There's been lots of buzz about you around the league and obviously with the performance that you had at the Ontario Regional. And even just furthering it more, scouts feel like you're a guy that can come in and start right away at the linebacker position, which is ultra rare in the CFL draft in and of itself. And there's even talk about you being in the discussion to be selected number one overall. When you hear those types of things, are you surprised by it? Does it make you take a step back and realize that, hey, maybe that patience did pay off?
0: Uh,
2: Yes, man, most definitely. Because at the end of the day, like I said before, I learned from a young age, from a wise old man, patience is a virtue. So you don't ever want to jump the gun. You just want to wait for the best situation that comes
1: everyone sort of around the league knows that if you do end up signing a contract as an American, then that's sort of what you are for your career. So it's a good thing that Ottawa laid that out to you overall because now you're in this position. Did you feel like, you know, when you were waiting and working at Amazon and going through the last year with football sort of out of your life in terms of playing, that you could get to this point and potentially be in the discussion to go number one overall?
2: No, I... Tell you the truth, I was like, number one overall, what?
1: <laughs> so,
2: no, not, not at all. Not at all.
1: Are there any former teammates or players that you went against that you know that either played in the CFL or that are in the CFL right now?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, Deshaun Amos, he played for Calgary Stampeders. He played at East Carolina, graduated in 17, and now he's gone off to play for the uh, the Packers. He signed a contract with the Packers, and, you know, they won a the great cup back then, the year before last um, other players, there was another one um, that played the Ottawa Redblacks quarterback. He went to East Carolina, and I spoke with him for a little bit.
1: Which was that, and, Dom uh, Davis?
2: Yes, uh, Dominique.
1: So what did they tell you about their experience in the CFL and what to expect, or what was their advice?
2: Just, uh, is basically doing what you did back when you were a kid. It's like, you go in the backyard and you just play football, and you just finally get to be in a position where you could have a job where you can have the most fun. Like, look, my job is to go put my helmet on and go and get on the field and play football, and that's a phenomenal thing to do.
1: <laughs> Man, to be quite honest, in talking to some personnel guys around the league, they feel like the only reason that you're not in the NFL, because your athleticism is off the charts, is maybe just because of your height. And that's sort of baffling to me because we've seen guys, let's say, in particular at the quarterback position, like a Russell Wilson – who has proved that your height doesn't really matter. Is that something that you feel like maybe held you back at the NFL level and you want to come up here and prove that you can get it done in the CFL and perhaps get another shot down there?
2: Uh, definitely, no question. I can't even, like, sit here and sugarcoat it. it. It probably does have a big thing to do. That's probably the difference between what the coach saw. They probably saw my measurement. It was like, oh, snap, we thought he was bigger, you know. Uh, like I stated before, with the situation with the Indianapolis coach, but uh, I don't pay attention to anything. Like I, I've learned from a wise old man, you got to control the controllables. You can't just go out there and worry about things you can't control. I can't control getting get taller. Like I said before, I'm not the strongest. I'm not. I'm certainly not the tallest, and I'm not the fastest person that's ever lived. So, but I will work hard, and I believe hard work will get me to where I want to be at the end of the day.
1: Obviously, what's going on in the world right now with coronavirus and the COVID-19 pandemic has changed everyone's schedule and sort of shifted the way that we're going to live our lives, at least here, for the next little while. Where are you right now in terms of dealing with this coronavirus situation? Where are you hunkered down and how are you dealing with it from the standpoint of training and trying to be ready for, you know, whenever CFL training camp might open after the draft? Um, you just
2: got to... Sit there. You gotta listen and and b- b- by the rules. Can't be out there social gathering and being in the house with twenty different other people. You gotta social distance. Keep your six feet. Um, and also my situation is kind of different. Like others, that's gonna, that's playing professional football or basketball and things of that nature. You gotta stay in shape. You can't get out of shape in a situation. So there's a certain amount of things you do to try to stay in shape during this coronavirus pandemic.
1: You got any quick home workouts for anyone listening?
2: Uh, quick home workouts, I say get on the jump rope because running, you know, you can run into other people. So you don't want to do that. You can run it on a truck. That's six feet right right there. But <laughs> getting on the jump rope, uh, push ups, sit ups, and try to get some weights if you can. You could get some barbells and weights and doing them in your, in your house.
1: We've talked a lot about football with you, your journey. And how you burst onto the scene in terms of CFL scouts, and even that you like to do a little bit of hunting. Is there anything that people might not know about you that they would find interesting, or something that uh, you want to reveal?
2: Uh, yeah, check my SoundCloud out. You know, now I'm playing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yo, you you can drop it if you want.
2: I do not rock at all. If I if I try to drop some bars, man, y'all laugh at me. But uh, things that. I used to be a really good gamer, so it's not really interesting, but I used to be like top five in Madden of football, the game, like three years in a row. Damn. Yeah.
1: Some skills on the sticks.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And for <laughs> the people out there, man, where can they find you and get you followed on social media? Are you on Twitter? Are you on Instagram? Where's the best place to get at you?
2: I'm currently not on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram. The Instagram is... V underscore J-W-E, and the J-W-E just stands for Jordan Williams Experience.
1: Ah, okay. So we'll have to find you, link up with you there, find out about the experience, and I'm sure there's going to be lots of it in Canada, man. Jordan, thanks for setting aside some time. We hope that you stay safe and healthy down there in the U.S., and we all look forward to seeing where you go in the CFL draft and watching you play the Canadian game.
2: Uh, man. Nice speaking with you, Justin, man. It's been a phenomenal time. Like, the last 20 minutes, just going back in time, thinking about high school, thinking about college, thinking about East Carolina.
1: It's been a phenomenal conversation. Appreciate you, man. Be welcome. All right, thank you.